Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Welcome to Global Change Agents with me, Leanna Brinded, the Digest Edition, a podcast brought to you by Yahoo Finance UK. You can watch a full version of this interview by heading over to yahoo.co.uk forward slash change agents. Joining me today is Syl Saller, CMO at alcohol giant Diageo, the owner of brands including Smirnoff, Guinness and Captain Morgan. Syl also serves as the president of the Marketing Society and is regularly recognised as one of the world's most influential marketers. So Syl, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for joining us. We really want to go back to the beginning first, though, before we get into your incredible career. How did that shape you in terms of what you wanted to pursue later on in life? You know, it was pretty humble circumstances. So I never imagined that I could be in business. Just didn't even think about that as a particular career path. And, uh, you know, my mom was a nurse. My dad sold insurance. My brother is a graphic designer. And, and, uh, and my sisters work in various admin jobs. So it wasn't really on our radar screen, this kind of big corporate thing. So I wanted to be originally an author. That was like when I was like eight or 10. And then I thought I'd be a teacher. Um, and when I went to university, I studied psychology and organizational development. And what's interesting about those three things is what I love doing, doing right now somehow involves all three of them. I write, and I write pretty well and pretty fast, so I love that. I think about marketing, and, and, and my leadership is doing an awful lot of coaching and teaching. And understanding the psychology of people is critical to being a marketer. So all those three things still are wrapped up in, in what I do today, but I never imagined that I'd be doing this. Well, when you came out of uh, university, you were offered jobs at Boston Consulting Group, which is a huge company, as well as Gillette. Um, so can you talk about the process um, for your understanding of why you chose Gillette in the end? Yeah. Uh, I wish I could tell you a super scientific. I, I graduated business school and uh, the thing that I was looking to do, you have your first year of business school, then you work in the summer and then your second year. That summer work experience is big and I thought being from a, a state school at university and never having studied uh, business, I thought, what's the gap in my CV or my resume? And it was, there was nothing that said she can do numbers and I can. Um, so I took the job at BCG so that people would understand, yes, I can think strategically and yes, I can crunch data. Uh, and I was lucky enough that they did offer me a job as did Gillette in brand management. And I remember sitting there with my two offers. My BCG offer was exactly double my Gillette offer. 
And I also tried to picture what it would be like because Gillette had a sales training as part of the marketing program where I knew I'd be doing things like stacking shelves. So I was trying to weigh up, okay, stacking shelves, flying around in jets, talking to the C-suite. Hmm, what should I do? And ultimately I took the marketing job uh, because I felt like I could be a good consultant. But I thought maybe I had a shot at being a great marketer. And so I'm kind of following the advice that I often give people, which is do what you think you're going to be great at. Do what you love and that will serve you well. And it has. Do you think when it comes to women entering the workforce and especially on a professional level that the emphasis on having data, having a business, um, whether it's a major or a degree or some kind of work experience, there's too much emphasis on that rather than pursuing something that you really enjoy at the end of the day? There can be. I mean, it, it, everybody's circumstance is so important. I mean, I think the one thing that sometimes does get women into trouble is if they assume, and there are still young women that I, I coach or speak to who kind of don't worry about their careers because they think, well, they'll be married and you know they'll have dual income support. Now, I grew up in a house where my mom worked very hard to support our family, so it's ingrained in me. You always have to think about supporting your family. So, so it's something somewhere between what you're passionate about and what allows you to live the life that you want to live. And if, for example, you want to work for a nonprofit, that's amazing. Uh, just cut your cloth financially to having that, you know, fit you. And I do think women have to prove a little bit more that they can speak the language of business and talk in financial terms. Um, so they may, they may have a higher standard that they have to meet, which is something that we're trying to shift. Um, but, you know, women can easily meet that. In fact, all good CMOs should be able to speak the language of growth and speak the financial language of the company. Well, someone like yourself has uh, risen up the ranks of some of the biggest companies in the world and have this huge reach in the industry. There's usually a very big focal point, but there is a big backlash going on at the moment is, you know, is it worth doing an MBA anymore when you can really learn the language of business, do it through experience and pursuing something you love? Yeah. How do you feel about MBAs? Well, I do have an MBA and I think it's different comparing a GB environment to a US environment. In, in the US, there is much more of an emphasis on getting an MBA, you know, as sort of the cost of entry. Um, I'm not sure that that's right in our business. We value MBAs in our US business, but we also have started to diversify to people who have really interesting experiences that are related to our business. Um, in this country where you have grad schemes in the UK uh, that I think provide tremendous training, I find myself sometimes on the opposite side of that saying, are you really sure you want an MBA? Because it's very expensive. You can get an awful lot of on-the-job training. In fact, education comes at such a cost today. I think everybody has to think whether they want to go to university or they can get that kind of similar experience and work their way up or get an MBA, but it's very tailored to the individual and I wouldn't impose what's right for me on anybody else. I think that's fascinating because um, you're more well known for your career and all the things you achieve rather than the person with the MBA, yeah. which is 
Sometimes, deliberate. A of, yeah, that a lot of people champion a lot more rather than the results. But when it comes to that and with your career trajectory, are you one of those people that have a five-year plan? Or <laughs> do, how, how do you tick the milestones on what you want to achieve? Uh, it's a little embarrassing uh, to admit this, but I don't really have a five-year plan and I don't have milestones. And some of that is really grounded in I live in two ways. I live in the present and sort of am I enjoying the moment? Am I adding value? I, uh, I'm very future-focused in terms of where are we going as a business. And I think the thing that surprises people the most, uh, but people who know me well are not surprised at this, which is I don't have a huge amount of ambition for myself. And the reason is by the time I was a brand manager, I had achieved more success than I ever, ever dreamed possible. So the rest was, was kind of gravy. Um, and you know, there's tremendous freedom in, in having that mindset, because if you don't care about getting the next job, it gives you... It, it gives you license to focus more on what's right for the company, what's right for people. And then a strange byproduct of that is people trust you more because they don't think it's your agenda. Or in my case, even marketing is agenda. It's Diageo's agenda. It's the agenda about what's right for our people and all of our stakeholders and the consumer. And that engenders trust and followership. And so when people talk about uh, so what's a hallmark of your leadership style, it's, it's saying, let me focus on doing a great job in the job that I'm in. Let me focus on achieving the objectives with the company. And, and that really wins followership. So what do you love about your job the most? <laughs> you know, some people would call my job complex uh, because it looks after, you know, all the brands uh, globally across 180 countries, uh, our luxury business design, planning, uh, media. It's, it's, it, it's, it's very broad. Um, I don't think of it as complex. I think of it as amazing. And but, but where that puts my focus is, do we have the right people in all the right places across the world to be able to accomplish our agenda? Because I'm one person and I can only achieve as much as I can in one day. But if you're constantly focused on developing people's leadership and skills, then you can grow that reach and grow that talent to be able to run the big system that is Diageo. Um, so uh, I'm really blessed to be able to have a job that allows me to focus on the things that I care about, that requires me to be strategic, creative, analytical. And then from a Diageo point of view, you know, when I think about an enterprise, I'm part of a, an amazing exec team that really does want to change the world and really does want to be the best company in the world to work for. Um, and the part of that agenda that we're making so much progress in is in our diversity and inclusion agenda, which is something I'm particularly passionate about. Now, a lot of that is in our culture, where we have a huge emphasis on allowing people to be themselves and do, that, do things in their own way. Um, so, so that really helps. And some of it is backed up by policies that support you know, our, our agenda, which is, is so important, like, was huge news um, recently that we announced uh, 26 weeks of paid family leave, you know, for men and women, for uh, regardless of the birth circumstances, uh, you know, adoption, surrogacy, birth, whatever. 
everyone gets the same. And I think that sends an important message out there and changes the conversation from women having babies. Oh, she's out on mat leave again. You know, that kind of thing that you sometimes hear in the hallways to people having children. And it becomes a shared, you know, opportunity for everybody to lean in and figure out, okay, how are we going to cover that role, use flexible working to be a really diverse and inclusive company? And I mean, another part to that that I found very interesting that almost like famously, um, as a key leader of Diageo for diversity, uh, writing to your agencies and seeing what their gender diversity data was about. How did that come about? How did that go down, first of all? Yeah. And did you get the <laughs> results that you wanted? Did you get the responses that you wanted? I did write to our agencies because we said, we can't just get our own house in order. We believe that diverse teams uh, and inclusive environments and our partners create work that is better creatively, is better for the consumer. And those are the partners we want to work with. So I was really pleased um, that our stats are better than the industry stats when it comes to overall agency leadership. And we often focus on leadership because if you just look at the overall average of a company, they can look better than they would be if you look at the most senior ranks. You know, our grads, for example, start at 50-50. Um, and, you know, we want to see that kind of number come all the way through the organization. So for our agencies, they were, you know, almost half female leadership. So we're, our agencies are doing better than the industry average. Uh, that wasn't as a result of a specific policy at the time, but we do have a sense for the kind of agencies we were working for probably were naturally tilted to more diverse places. When it comes to creative leadership, which is a real issue, um, only 12% of creative directors in the UK are women. Um, our numbers were much higher across all of our agencies. Uh, but when we called it down to our top creative agencies, it was only 24%. And we can't be satisfied that we're double the industry average. We say, we have to go further. So what I wanted to really explore was, what are the blocks for them? You know, this isn't a challenge. It's, it's a partnership. And one of the things they said is, we lose talent as women you know, have children and more complicated lives. We lose talent when people are in the sandwich generation looking after their parents and really need flexible working or, and we need women to come back. So there's this terrific organization called Creative Equals that focuses on this issue of women in creative leadership. And we partner with them to sponsor their returners scheme. And it's called, you know, hashtag uh, comeback, uh, creative comeback. And it gave women, you know, it was competitive, people had to apply. And it gave women, 50 women, who had stepped out of full-time work, the chance to come back with training, which is really important. And then we provided briefs, you know, we gave them, um, and it wasn't just on a little brand, you know, that we don't care, but we gave them a brief on Guinness and a brief on, um, on Bailey's. And my team attended to review the creative output of that. And there were tears on both sides from the women who were presenting the work that they were so proud of and from our team that was just overwhelmed with the quality of the content. So I think the more people we can partner with to create a big change, um, the better. 
Well, this has been a fascinating conversation, but I have one more question before okay. we go. So I'd really love to know what you think about the work-life balance. Do we need to forget about it? I do say forget about work-life balance. I'm, I'm, I'm quoted a lot about that. And it's not to say that that isn't true or, you know, that's true. It's more I want to reframe it for people because when you actually add up, for many people, they spend more time at work physically during the day than they do at home. And so work is a big part of your life and you can't ignore that. So I like to reframe it as making your life work. And I also don't think there's anything such as balance because if something is in perfect balance, trust me, it's about to tip over. You know, it's a dynamic thing that you always have to be working. So a lot of my coaching is in the, in the space of how people can be creative around making their life work. And I, my goal is for everyone, everyone to find their own way. So my way is not, should not be other people's way. I, uh, I work you know, crazy hours later and um, that works for me. And I'm not, you know, if somebody tries to get me at 7 a.m., they're not. Um, I love all those articles in the paper that always start with, you know, when they describe a day in the life and everybody seems to get up at the gym, you know, and then go to work. That's not me. Um, but I don't expect people to follow my pattern. And if I see somebody answering an email on a weekend, and I know weekend working is not their thing. I'm like, hey, why have you just answered this email? It's not your way. You're violating your own values. And what I've learned is that my circumstances are not everybody else's circumstances. You have to listen really hard and advise people on what is best for them. Um, because I know I've been really lucky. I have an amazing husband of 39 years who has been a, a, an incredible support and uh, two incredible children, um, Alexa and Jake, who in all honesty have been very easy to raise and very healthy. And when you have that set of, set of circumstances, finding that work-life balance is a little bit easier. Uh, and for me, you know, people say, how do you do that with the stress of a job? The answer is simple. I root myself in my family. And if they're healthy and happy and thriving, I can rock and roll with all the volatility that happens out in the big world that is Diageo. And it really is a source of resilience for me. Well, thank you for ending on such a wonderful inspirational note. And uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's been such fun. Thanks for listening to Global Change Agents with me, Liana Brinded, produced by Yahoo Finance UK. A full version of this interview can be found at yahoo.co.uk forward slash change agents. And for more information, go to uk.finance.yahoo.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.